Hello and welcome to yet another episode of On The Grid podcast in collaboration with Prost International. I'm your host, Adrian Keita. I'm joined again by my co-host, Harvey Todd. Cameron is still not with us. I don't know what's happening with him. Please come back. We need you, Cameron. Um, but today, we finally hit double figures. We're going to celebrate episode 10 uh, by talking about the, the British Grand Prix, the wonderful and fantastic British Grand Prix, which obviously had the first ever F1 sprint. Uh, we'll talk about Friday's qualifying, Saturday's sprint, and then also the very, very controversial um, Grand Prix, which Harvey is not very happy about. More on that a bit later on. We'll start off with with a basic question, really. Harvey, did you, did you enjoy the weekend format? How did you find it? I mean, it, it gave us quite a bit of action. It allowed fans to, to watch, technically, three sessions with F1 cars competing against one another. How did you find it? Was, did you find the format uh, enjoyable? I think the format has potential, but the thing that I'd definitely change from the get-go is the session times. I felt the session times were just all over the place. I mean, practice one at two o'clock, I'm not a massive fan of that. And then the actual big sessions, sprint quality and quality itself, at, what was it, six o'clock in the evening? Not much for that. Um, and then sprint itself, I didn't think much of it. I'm much, I prefer quality being quality. And if you're going to hamper any with it, I'd probably say maybe look at maybe a Super Bowl format because it works well in other motorsports. And I think it'd just be really, really interesting to see, you know, you get one lap, full blast. If you bottle it, you bottle it, unlucky. I mean, I, I enjoyed the format 100%. Um... Gave us a, a quite a lot of action, quite a lot of overtaking in in uh, the sprint, especially with a certain Fernando Alonso. Um, but we'll talk about the F1 sprint a bit later on, uh, as that was the Saturday session. So we'll start off with with qualifying, essentially. Uh, we'll start off with Q1, and, and probably the the only outlier there was Yuki Tsunoda um, qualifying P16. Harvey, um, with Tsunoda, obviously he was he was driving in F2 and F3 around Silverstone, I believe, uh, in his previous years. But it's surprising that he, he wasn't able to make it out of uh, Q1 for the first time in, in what seems quite a, quite a long time. Yeah, I think it was a bit of a poor quality performance. Um, we expected him to go well around Silverstone because he's quite a light individual. Um, obviously, we got that slightly wrong. And to be fair, he, he wasn't that far off getting out he was only what three tenths ish behind stroll in 15th but yeah i think sonoda it wasn't his best quality um and it's sort of th this is the thing with the sprint quality as well is if you have a bad quality you've got a chance to sort of make amends the next day but yeah in terms of qualifying disappointing for sonoda but a man that was essentially on the up uh, from the get-go in, in qualifying, in Brandy's qualifying, let's not, let's not mix it up with a sprint because they're, they're two very different things uh, last weekend, uh, was Esteban Ocon. Um, he was able to get himself out of, out of Q1 um, for the first time in what, what's, what feels like an eternity because ever since he, like we said, ever since he signed that uh, contract, that multi-year contract with Alpine, He's not been running very well, but it, it was good to see Esteban able to finally 
move out of Q1 and put his car into Q2. And, and, and he did set a very good and competitive lap time as well. Yeah, he's, he set a very good lap time. And, you know, he was, I think, in the top 10, I want to say, in, in Q1, um, which is very good. And then obviously got knocked out of Q2. But the thing is, with Ocon, he's had so many disappointing qualifying results recently. He'd, I'm sure he would have taken P13 coming into Silverstone. And moving from one Alpha Tauri man to another, we, we spoke about Sonoda not so long ago, so I think it's only fair to talk about Pierre Gasly ever so slightly because we expect that man to exceed all our expectations and put his car uh, inside the Q3, but he was unable to do so. I mean, the Frenchman usually does very well in qualifying. And like you said, he was able to, well, he was... The, the sprint allows the drivers to essentially have kind of kind of a fresh qualifying, if you want to say, in a sense. But his qualifying performance, 12 from, 12 from the grid for the sprint, it's not what we usually expect from Gasly, is it? No, Gasly's one of the drivers you'd expect to be in the top 10 most weeks. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a bizarre one because when it was looking through the, the timesheets and I saw Pierre Gasly 12th, I was like, it's bizarre. Um, but yeah, disappointing qualifying in in all for Avatari. Well, they had one man knocked out of Q1 and then one man knocked out of Q2. Um, but I think it's only fair to, to look at Alonso ever so slightly before we jump into a BF1 sprint uh, because he qualified 11th on the grid. Yes, 11th. And he was able to make several positions up in the sprint. Um, but we'll talk about his qualifying performance first for, on the Friday, because in Austria, he was, he was saying that his car was top three worthy in qualifying at one stage. And qualifying 11th, you're thinking, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. That consistency and, and that lack of potentially maybe a bit more speed that, need, that, that Alpine car needs um, kind of showed... Uh, Throughout, throughout qualifying and Alonso wasn't able to qualify into Q3. But do we think that it was wise for Alonso maybe to qualify outside of a top 10? I know there was a free tyre choice and everything and whatnot uh, for the sprint, but maybe he had, that, he had that inner instinct of thinking, I know this track very well and I can pull some fantastic overtakes um, during the F1 sprint. What do we think? Do we think that might be the case of him just, just wanted to hold back uh, a little bit during qualifying and extracting everything during uh, the sprint. Yeah, you've made a good point there. Um, obviously, we saw with what happened with Sergio Perez in the sprint race, how easy it is to make mistakes, especially in the trickiest parts of the track. And do you want to risk everything in Friday quality when you've got another chance to rectify it the next day? Probably not. Um, so I think... I think it was probably a mix of just holding back and just missing that extra little bit of pace to, to get into Q3. And we'll dive straight into Q3. Uh, we, we don't really need to do much talking uh, about the rest of Q2 because the man, the myth, the legend, home hero, well, there were three home heroes, but we'll, we'll, talk, about the, we'll talk about the first one that we're all rooting for, which was George Russell, another appearance in, another appearance in Q3, uh, qualifying eight. Wow, he was able to he was able to deliver it in Q two with I believe it was seventh uh, when he qualified in Q two and he was able to qualify 
P8 um, ahead of a sprint, but he's he's been able to extract everything out of his Williams car. It's, it's not like it's it's not like it's lucky because of it. it's the second weekend running. It's it's quite remarkable that George. I think George is in pole position for that Williams seat uh, for that Williams Mercedes seat. Sorry, um, but yeah, it was it was tremendous that he was able to do it uh, for a second week running and especially in front of his home fans. Hundred um, percent. George was on absolute flames on on Friday evening. He was he was outstanding um, all the way through quality. Stuck it on P eight in stuck it in P eight for the grid for the sprint. Um, and if we compare his time with Bottas, he's only six tenths slower. And Bottas has got a, some people say the best car on the grid. So I wonder what George could have done if he was in the Mercedes on Friday. What could he have done? Oh, I just hope that man does get the Mercedes seat anytime soon because I think he thoroughly deserves it, especially with his performance last season in Sakir and with his qualifying performances um, this season, especially in that Williams car. Um, maybe just needs to iron out a little bit of mistakes during the races, but I'm sure he'll get there um, as there's still a long season ahead of us. Um, but we'll move on to McLaren. Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo qualifying basically side by side uh, in sixth and seventh ahead of, well, they, they obviously had the, the Mercedes of Hamilton and Bottas, Verstappen, Leclerc and Perez ahead of them. But we, we spoke not so long ago, uh, I, I believe only a handful of episodes ago about teamwork. And it shows that McLaren are proven that this teamwork that that Norris and Ricardo are setting a very good pace together because I want to say Lando was it was he was getting it with with Carlos Sainz I'll admit that but with Ricardo I think Ricardo is slowly slowly getting into grips with that McLaren car and I think it could go a long way if they continue to do the same uh, throughout the rest of the season. What are our thoughts? Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Harvey? Because Ricardo hasn't had very good qualifying performances, and he, he was able to do it. Uh, he was able to deliver it um, on Friday. Yeah, I completely agree with what you've just said there. I mean, if you look at the times, it, there's only two thousandths of a second between them, and if. People are going to praise Norris for how well he's doing. I mean, you have to give plaudits to Ricardo as well because, you know, he's done really, really well. He's less than a blink of an eye behind Norris. And, you know, they've done they've done so, so well. Well, Ricardo especially has done so, so well to sort of get himself back on track after a little bit of a disappointing triple header. Like I said, it's been a bit of a disappointment for Ricardo well, for most of his season, shall we say, because his, his qualifying, have, qualifying performances haven't been up to scratch his race performances have been a bit meh, and and you're thinking that he he was he was, and he I believe he still is a, a world championship contender uh, in that sense. But hopefully he can continue that form uh, for the rest of his season. Um, we'll look at one man for for the last segment of of qualifying uh, with Charles Leclerc because wow, he's, he's he's done it again. Like I'm sorry, but. How, like, you, we saw what happened in the 2020 Ferrari car and the 2021 Ferrari car, Leclerc has been extracting everything out of it, especially with his qualifying in fourth 
with only Hamilton, Verstappen and Bottas ahead of him. I mean, it goes it goes without saying that the Monegasque is doing a tremendous job for Ferrari this season. He's he's doing a remarkable job. I don't think. I mean, what's his lowest race scoring position? Probably something, you know, like fifth or sixth. I think. Um, you know, that's that's outstanding, and you know, it's such a competitive grid. I think in the top ten this year, I think he's he's doing absolutely phenomenally. And if we just look at his qualifying on Friday, you know, fourth ahead of Perez, ahead of the McLarens, he's doing amazing. And to round off Friday qualifying, we obviously had Lewis Hamilton starting from P1 alongside Max Verstappen, Valtteri Bottas, Charles Leclerc, Sergio Perez, Lando Norris, Daniel Ricciardo, George Russell, Carlos Sainz and Sebastian Vettel rounding out the top 10 with Alonso, Gasly, Ocon, Giovinazzi, Stroll, Sonoda, Raikkonen, Latifi, Schumacher and Mazepin rounding off the grid. We'll move off. To, we'll move on to the sprint qualifying right now, happening on the happening on the Saturday, which for, for many uh, like myself it was quite bizarre because you, you don't get much action uh, on the Saturday unless it's unless it's qualifying. But we had we had we had obviously um, practice alongside um, the sprint as well, which was which was quite bizarre. I, I did find it really bizarre. Um, but we'll dive straight into it. Uh, Verstappen. Breaks on fire, but dives into the lead of the race. Harvey, we, he must have been delighted. I, I mean, I, I was quite shocked to see that Verstappen was able to do so, especially with his brakes absolutely on flames and steaming. Yeah, I, I think it was a bit of a running theme throughout the weekend that whoever started on the inside of the track actually got the better hole shot um, because it was a lot more grippy. And we've seen it again. In the sprint quality, Max was ahead before turn one, managed to hold on um, for pretty much the rest of the race. I mean, they might have had a little bit of a, uh, a switcheroo throughout the earliest part of the first lap, but it was pretty much plain sailing for Max. And we'll speak about the very first incident that, that was very controversial with the race stewards, George Russell, Carlos Sainz. Um, Harvey, I want your thoughts on this because it's. I, I did not think it was fair. I don't think it was justified to give George Russell a three-place grid drop for accidentally understeering or oversteering. Whatever you want to say into Carlos Sainz's car because he, George left in the room, Carlos was on the outside and they narrowly made contact. What are your thoughts? Do you, do you think that a three-place grid drop was necessary from the race stewards um, to ha- to give George Russell a dropping all the way down to I believe it was I believe it was twelve for the for the Grand Prix? I think it was unjustified. Um, obviously, we'll get into it on Sunday, but I think the stewards have been very inconsistent this weekend. Um, George Russell, you could tell it was by accident. You know, the way he was trying, frantically trying to not hit signs um, going into Brooklyn. You could see by the onboards as well that it was, you know, he locked up. You know, a lockup can happen to anyone at a difficult corner like Brooklyn's. Um, but yeah, I think it was too harsh. They probably shouldn't have got a penalty for it because it happens every race, every week. We'll obviously move on to uh, the controversial topic a bit later on. Um, we'll talk about that 
when it happened, which was on a which was on a Sunday in the Grand Prix. Um, but I, I'd like to mention uh, a certain Fernando Alonso because we we spoke about his about his relatively poor qualifying, and then what does the man do? He makes up six places on the opening lap, put himself fifth, fifth. Vintage Alonso, in my opinion, but wow, what, what what he did on the opening lap in that sprint was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, didn't he make up six positions on the opening lap or something amazing like that? There's one word for it, and it's just amazing. You don't want to go over the top with you know the words you want to use, but it was it was fantastic. Um, Alonso, like you said earlier, he knows that track like the back of his hand um, because he's so experienced. He's driven around it loads um, over the last couple of years. Obviously, it was altered about 10 years ago. But yeah, Alonso on that opening lap, he was on absolute fire. He obviously did drop a few positions um, for he allowed Norris and Ricardo to get by him, um, which left him in seventh, but seventh position for a sprint, which essentially he made up four places. It was fantastic. But We'll talk about the Perez incident because uh, I think it's only it's only justifiable to talk about to talk a little bit about Perez and how qualifying and sprint qualifying can essentially ruin your weekend because he dropped it in Cops Corner, I believe it was, and he, he didn't get any damage. He didn't get any damage, but he was obviously battling. Um, who was he battling? It was Leclerc, I believe, for P. Um, but it was just unfortunate he dropped it in the middle of cops he had nowhere to go and he had to just essentially just recover and unfortunately he had to retire from the race what do, what do we think of, of that aspect because essentially it was it was a weekend ruiner for Perez yeah I mean we spoke about it off air didn't we um, throughout the weekend that it you know it sort of saved Alonso's weekend but it's also sort of ruined Perez's Um and you've sort of still got to be careful. You want to qualify as high up as you can for the Grand Prix grid. Um, so you're going to have to push, but it's the difference between how much you push. And I think Perez just pushed a little bit too much trying to get a good exit onto the uh, hangar straight. And yeah, it's, it's ultimately ruined this weekend. But it was one of those things that sprint qualifying potentially was brought in to, to, to do and just to mix it up a little bit. Ultimately, he did obviously ruin his weekend as he had to retire from the race, from the sprint qualifying, um, which made him start from the pit lane because he had to change some parts in his Red Bull car. Um, but but we, we talked about signs ever so slightly, and he made up a whole host of positions, uh, moving himself up to P11 at one point, and he finished there. Um well, well, I think I think it's only fair that we that we mentioned a bit about Carlos because he did very well. To obviously, it, it wasn't it wasn't a Perez esque situation, but he's he still did very well to um, recover his positions after his should we say collision in quotation marks uh, with George Russell. Yeah, I agree. He's it wasn't a great race, but also I think it was a good race for him in terms of where he could have ended up on the grid. Um, and I thought it was a pretty good recovery drive. That was about it, essentially, uh, for the sprint. <laughs> Not really much happened. Um, so we'll round out the order. So it was Verstappen ahead of Hamilton, Bottas, Leclerc, Norris, Ricardo, Alonso, 
Vettel, Russell, Ocon, Sainz, Gasly, Raikkonen, Stroll, Giovinazzi, Sonoda, Latifi, Schumacher, Mazepin and Perez at the back of the grid. Um, but now let's let's move on to the race. Lap one incident. Um, I mean, it, it's only fair to talk about the lap one incident because uh, it's the most controversial topic that's been going on for, I want to say, the last week. Hamilton, Verstappen, Verstappen, Hamilton. Who was at fault? Harvey, take your Red Bull hat off and give me your honest opinion because I believe that it was Hamilton's fault. You don't go for an overtake at Cops Corner. We saw it on lap 50 when he tried to overtake Leclerc. Leclerc was scared and he went wide off the track to allow Hamilton to go through. What are your opinions? Do you think it was Hamilton or was it Verstappen's fault? Lewis Hamilton's fault. There's, there's very few corners on the Silverstone track where you just don't go for an overtake, and Cops is one of them. Um, it's almost like chucking one up the inside at Puan at Spa. It's just you don't do it. Um, Cops is probably one of the quickest corners on, on the track. Uh, actual corners will ignore Woodcock because obviously that's more of a kink nowadays, whereas Cops is an actual corner. Max did everything in his power along the national pitch straight to give him enough room. Max started to the inside to allow Hamilton around the outside, just like he did in Saturday's sprint race. Lewis then goes back onto the inside. So Max has to freak, uh, frantically, not frequently, frantically go back to the outside to give him some space. So Max did everything in his power to give him space. And then Lewis just sends it up the inside. It, it, it's silly. It was careless. And it was desperate. And ultimately, it's ruined. Well, it finished Max's race. Um, and yeah, I, I thought the penalty that he was given was, it was pretty much a pat on the wrist. It wasn't even a slap on the wrist. It was just a pat. And it's hardly a deterrent from people maybe doing that in the future. I agree with you there. Um, it, was, it was very careless from Hamilton, especially given that he had quite a bit more room to go onto the curb like most drivers do. He had, I want to say, I want to say a good metre or two metres more um, to actually navigate more onto the inside. But obviously what happened, happened. Uh, sent Max into the barrier at 51G, which you, you don't like. It's, it's, you never like accidents that happen like that. Um, but unfortunately it happened. But it, but it allowed my man, Charles Leclerc, to get past it into P1 um, just before the red flag was brought out which Hamilton obviously dropped down to P2. But after the, after the restart, Leclerc continued to, to lead at the front, uh, which was fantastic. Uh, Hamilton wasn't really doing a, a much damage. Um, but another, another spin ever, ever on lap four or five, it was Sebastian Vettel. He was battling with uh, Fernando Alonso. Do it, it was a bit of a rocky area, wasn't it? <laughs> you got on the throttle a bit too frantically and um, it, it just sort of saw him send him to a spin and essentially it, it ruined his brace because in the latter stages he retired. Yeah, Luffield's one of those corners where you sort of have to get on the power as early as you possibly can to get a good exit. Um, like Martin Brundle was saying in commentary, it's one of the most important acceleration zones on the track because it sort of sets you up then to go around cops, which then sets you up for maggots and Beckett. So yeah, got a little bit too throttle happy and obviously saw him spin and 
yeah, like you just said, we had to retire, which is a shame because I think Vettel sort of had potential to have a decent race. And then the next lap after that, we saw, obviously, Lewis and Max under investigation for that crash. Uh, Hamilton getting a bit of a... It wasn't even a slap. I, I can't even say it was even a slap because a 10-second time penalty for a collision like that, I was expecting at least at least a 10 second stop go alongside his alongside his pit stop but Harvey what do we think would have been a justifiable penalty uh, for that crash for Hamilton of course um in my honest opinion uh, I would have disqualified Hamilton from the race um because it was a careless reckless overtake and he's ultimately taken out his championship rival so if Max isn't going to score any points neither are you um, because I, like I just said, I think the hundred percent of the blame lied on Hamilton. However, if I was going to go a little bit more lenient, I probably would have given him a, a stop go drive through. Um, but a 10 second penalty is, I thought, yeah, I was, I was not happy when he was given a 10 second penalty because you knew he was, he would recover it and go on to win the race. Well, I didn't know we had a resident helmet Marco in here. <laughs> but but that's 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 Harvey's perspective, and obviously it would have um, been fighting Verstappen's corner. But the just the penalty wasn't justified, and it was it was a bit of a shocker. Um, but Perez was on the charge; he was trying to claim some points for Red Bull. Um, what did we think of Perez um, throughout Sunday? Because he, he, his first stint was good; his second stint was. Also good, but then oh, he, he, I believe he, he had two side changes, two, three. He had, he wanted to, he obviously stole the fastest lap from Hamilton, which fair enough. Uh, one less point for, for Lewis Hamilton. But what do we think of, what do we think of Checo throughout, throughout Sunday? I think he, I think he did okay with um, the things and the equipment that he did have under him. Yeah. I mean, his race was ultimately ruined on Saturday, like we said. So it was just a case of damage limitation. Managed to get into the points at one point, um, but unfortunately didn't manage to hold on. But the most important thing was, for, well, for Red Bull, was just taking as many points off Mercedes and Hamilton as possible, which he did. He managed to steal that fastest lap, which meant that uh, Hamilton would not get the extra point, which sort of keeps Max's lead at the top to eight points, I want to say. Yes, it is eight points. Um, obviously, Sergio was able to make up positions, which was which was great. Um, but one scary thing that kind of happened on lap fifteen, you're looking at the radio messages. It's Charles Leclerc on the radio. I've got an engine issue, and you're thinking, "Oh dear me!" I was I was frantically messaging Harvey, going, "He's got a problem. He's got an issue with his car. He's not going to make it, is he?" But he was able to sort it out. Harvey, obviously, you were seeing you were seeing Hamilton hunt down uh, Leclerc ever so slightly. It was it was underneath one second at one point. It was a heart in it was a heart and mouth moment, wasn't it? Because it was so scary. Nobody wanted after what happened with the staff, and nobody wanted Hamilton to overtake Leclerc. No, it was probably the biggest Charles Leclerc fan in the UK on Sunday afternoon. Uh, behind Adrian um, so I was 
I had my Ferrari top on, I had my Monegasque flag hanging out the window proudly. Um, but yeah, I, I think Leclerc's race was, considering what he had, I think he, he drove an excellent race and it just was a shame that the race was two laps too long um, because it would have been a remarkable victory for him after such a, a great weekend. Yeah, let's not talk about the, the race end uh, currently. <laughs> but but it is what it is. It, it happened inevitably. Um, but one man that was quite unfortunate with a poor, a very, very poor pit stop was Mr. Lando Norris. Six seconds held stationary in the pits. And he was, unfortunately, he, he overtook uh, Bottas. And it could have been a podium for Lando, but obviously it wasn't meant to be because of that poor pit stop. And McLaren did did very well, to be fair, though, because they finished fourth and fifth. It was Ricardo's highest finishing position for McLaren. And I think it goes to say that McLaren, compared to what was three years ago, with their points scoring positions, uh, with their points scored, which was only, I believe it was only two in 2017, um, they've, they've gone a very long way to uh, develop the car and make it what it is right now. 100%. I think for McLaren, the sky's the limit. And I think McLaren potentially could be one to watch next year with these reg- regulations changed. Because in my opinion, I think one of Mercedes or Red Bull will a- have an absolute stinker next year. And I think McLaren could be up there. Um, so, you know, McLaren, considering where they've come from, you know, in the mid 2010s how disastrous it was you know the reliability was was just appalling the reliability I was going to make an analogy but I couldn't think of a good enough one um but yeah McLaren at the moment they are fantastic and I think teamwork is a main it is a very big part of their success at the moment uh, you mentioned teamwork there and I think it's only fair to talk about lap 40 because we all know what happened on lap 40 uh, with with what happened with at Mercedes team orders, so we love to see it. Um, Bottas essentially letting Hamilton go through to to hunt down uh, Leclerc, and we know what happened on lap fifty. Um, so, I mean, it, it it was it was it was shocking to see. Um, but Bottas wasn't able to really do anything throughout that race, was he? He wasn't able to catch onto the back of Leclerc when he had the chance. He wasn't able to really follow uh, Hamilton. Um, but fortunes, I want to say, are going on the up ever so slightly for Valtteri because he's had he's had consistent podium finishes and I think he's, his confidence is, is, is on the up as well. Yeah, the, uh, the thing with Bottas, I think he's, he's a decent driver, but when Lewis gets behind him, it just sort of like, oh, yeah, mate, you need to slow down just to let Lewis pass. And it just sort of spoils it because um, I'm just trying to think, you know, a different team, maybe Alpha Towery or someone, would actually let their bat- drivers battle if they're going at a similar pace. Whereas Mercedes, it's just sort of like Valtteri, pull over, let Lewis pass, and then carry on. It's, I feel so sorry for Valtteri because that could have been a, a P2 um, if he didn't have to let Lewis pass. And it, People say Valtteri's results aren't that good. But if we look at every single race this season, apart from the second race at Austria, Lewis has finished ahead of him in every single race. Obviously, apart from Baku as well. Well, there we go. 
Um, I mean, it's it it depends on what Total Wolf wants, especially with with that second Mercedes uh, seat still up in the air. And I think I think we move on to Alpine. Uh, we talk about Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon. Uh, they were able to score a double points finish. Esteban, Lord Esteban, has done it. He's finally been able to secure some points, um, especially with Alonso finishing seventh and Ocon in ninth. Um, but Alpine, on on a general note, I think they they had a very good weekend. Yeah, a hundred percent. They've both qualified for the Grand Prix in the top 10 and they both finished in the top 10 and they've not finished in the top 10 together um, since the Portuguese Grand Prix so I'm not going to say top 10 again um, because I know I'm saying it quite a lot um, but yeah they've done really really well at Silverstone a double points finish good job Alpine we clap them on um, and I think the final the final really point that we, we can make from uh, the race that we had on Sunday was Yushi Tsunoda, we talked about his poor qualifying, but Mr. Yuki, he was, he's, he was able to, to beat Pierre Gasly and, and finish 10th. I mean, from a, from a poor qualifying to obviously a sprint race and then the Grand Prix, I think Yuki did very well to adapt to the conditions and obviously adapt his car to the Grand Prix needs to get into the points. Again, 100% agree. He's it, it was a disappointing start, but he sort of got it's upward. It was an upward trajectory all weekend, wasn't it? Um, and then to finish in, in the points for Yuki, only the the fourth time he's done it in his Formula One career so far. And again, I thought it was a very, very good drive from Yuki coming from P16, finishing P10. I think had Charles not won drive of the day, I think. Yuki Tsunoda would have been a, a very good shout for it. And obviously rambling out the um, the finishes, Hamilton won ahead of Charles Leclerc, which was a bit of a bummer for me. Um, Bottas finished P3. Norris, Ricardo, Sainz, Alonso, Stroll, Ocon and Tsunoda completing the top 10 with Gasly, Russell, Giovinazzi, Latifi, Raikkonen, Perez, Mazepin, Schumacher, and obviously we saw there are two retirements of Sebastian Vettel and Max Verstappen. But to end on a bit of a on a bit of a lighter note, as we've reached episode 10, I think it's only fair to kind of reflect on our first 10 episodes. And Harvey, I, I kind of want your opinion on what's been your favorite episodes to episode to record so far, because we've had we've had quite a few moments as a trio and as a duo in that sense, but What's been your favourite moment so far um, recording with me and Cameron, uh, but on the grid? Bit of an unpopular unpopular opinion amongst the three of us. I'd have to go for that quiz on episode one. Uh, The quiz was, although I I I had an absolute howler, I quite enjoyed it. Because it was just a bit of a light-hearted end to the episode. um, And it just showed my maths inability once again. Well, it kind of showed <laughs> yours and Cameron's because I was a quiz master, so I don't really, I, I had a bit of a standpoint. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with you there. I like, I like the quiz and I've liked your analogies, especially, I believe it was the first, the first Austria race. Your analogies there in episode, episode eight, I want to say, um, were, were fantastic. 
Um, but yeah, we've reached the we've reached the double figure mark. We've reached the tenth episode now. Uh, so hopefully we can continue bringing these episodes on a weekly basis for you guys, especially with the summer break coming ever so close. We'll be preparing. I'm sure we'll be preparing preparing some content um, for you guys. Uh, but that's all all we have time for in this episode of On the Grid. Thank you, Harvey, for joining me once again. I've been your host, Adrian Kita. Uh, we'll be back next week previewing the Hungarian Grand Prix, which will be the final race uh, before the summer break. And we'll obviously look at the Hungara Ring history. We'll, we'll, we'll have a bit of a chat about that, shall we? Uh, but thank you for listening and goodbye.